0: Every business owner will tell you that entrepreneurship is hard and it takes time. Rarely do you find a silver bullet or, you know, the thing that leads to your overnight success. Most, quote, overnight successes are really like 5, 10, 30, 50 years in the making. Nothing happens overnight, especially in the fashion industry. My guest today has spent the past 15 years growing an incredible ethical fashion brand that is changing lives and changing trends. Welcome to Business with Purpose. I'm your host, Molly Stillman of stillbeingmolly.com, and this show is all about bringing you the stories behind the brands, companies, and small businesses that are changing the world. Each week, I interview an entrepreneur, CEO, nonprofit director, community leader, or just an incredible person who is trying to make a positive impact, not only with their personal life, but also with their career. My goal is to show you that no matter what you do for a living, you can make an impact wherever you are. My guest this week is Belinda Kazansi, the founder of Bel Kazan, an ethical women's wear brand made with modern women in mind, empowered, adventurous, independent spirits. Belinda started Bel Kazan after a life-changing journey to Bali, Indonesia. From the delicate flower offerings that lined the streets to their vibrant textiles and joyful spirits, she felt an unparalleled sense of inspiration among the Balinese people. It was then that Belinda decided to uproot her life in Los Angeles, determined to make her vision of a socially and environmentally responsible apparel line real. But before I get to my conversation with Belinda, this episode is sponsored by The Lemonade Boutique, a women's clothing with a cause store. Now, if you've been listening to the podcast for a while, you know I love artisan groups and for-purpose companies like Elegant Tees, Starfish Project, and Rahab's Rope. What I love about this partner is that The Lemonade Boutique combines some of my favorite for-purpose companies, plus much more, in one easy-to-shop online store. Plus, if you spend $29, you get free shipping. I mean, that's the best way to shop. You can shop at TheLemonadeBoutique.com, where your purchase empowers women to take life's lemons and make lemonade. Now, listeners of the Business With Purpose podcast can save 15% by using code PURPOSE15 at checkout. I also want to thank one of our partners of the show, and that is Simple Switch. Simple Switch is actually not new to the show because I had the founder, Rachel Kois, on the show back in the spring, and I actually want you to hear from her a little bit about what makes Simple Switch so incredibly unique. Thanks, Molly, for letting me hop on this episode. Yeah, we are an online marketplace for ethical and impactful shopping. So an Amazon alternative, if you're looking for things to be shipped to your door, but in an ethical way that makes a positive social or environmental impact, I seriously believe that we can shift a bunch of the $600 billion spent online towards companies that are values aligned and that are making a difference in the world. So that's what we're doing. And Simple Switch is offering a discount exclusively for our listeners. So you can check out the entire marketplace on simpleswitch.org and get 20% off your first order with the code purchase with purpose at checkout. That's again, that's simple switch.org and get 20% off your first order with code purchase with purpose at checkout. Okay, now without further ado on to my conversation with Belinda. Belinda, I am so happy to have you on the show. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. It is truly an honor. Um, I have when I first discovered your work, I was just blown away by how beautiful it is and, and uh, just everything that you are doing. And so I'm really excited to just share with you with the Business With Purpose podcast listeners. So Belinda, I would love for you to give us the Belinda 101. So tell us who you are, <laughs> what do you do, and how did you get to where you are today?
1: So my name is Belinda Kazansi. I am the owner and designer of the brand BelKazan. We specialize in women's clothing made from original prints in Bali, and we specialize also in um, sustainable and environmental practices within our clothing. So we make sure that all of our garments are having the, the minimal impact as possible. And I've been in business for 15 plus years at this point. Wow. I can't believe it. Wow! Um, and we. Built our own factory in Bali, actually from the ground up, literally, (laughs) purchased land and built it and have been training women from villages and skill training women and men from villages on how to sew and how to um, do quality control and whatnot and have been slowly growing our business that way through our skills training program.
0: How did that even, I mean, was this something that you had always dreamed doing of being a designer? How, I mean, what is your connection to Bali? Like, how did all of this go?
1: Well, actually, um, I've been a musician all my life, a singer, a wow. songwriter. Yeah, so I, I was just, you know, always doing music and I felt the only other creative outlet that I had was I was very into like what I wore on stage and, and into vintage clothes. And I've also just, my family comes from the textile business in Turkey, which is where I was born in Istanbul. So I've just been around textiles my whole life. And that was also like an interest of mine, uh, never thinking it would actually be a career, <laughs> but you know, I met, I took a course called the landmark forum, which was like a self-help kind of course back in 2005, where I met a woman who had um, she got up in front of class and said, Hey, I have this business out of Bali. And eventually I connected with her and she is the one who connected me with my manager now who has been working with me for 15 years. Um, wow. So it just I just kind of fell into it. I, I went to Bali and booked a ticket after that conversation with this woman. And within two weeks, went to Bali, fell in love with the culture, fell in love with the people, fell in love with the textiles. And Um, decided, okay, I'm going to start sewing, uh, getting some sewers and sewing some of my own designs and just slowly kind of built it from, you know, just women in villages, sewing my garments to eventually building our own factory and running our own company, you know?
0: Wow. Now, I mean, the fact that you just dropped the fact that you are a musician your whole life, uh, yeah. let's go to that real quick. <laughs> I need to know more about that. So we're you a singer, songwriter, music, like what do you play? I, I'm a
1: singer, songwriter. I, I played jazz flute growing up um, and I've been in choirs my whole life and and had a band called Echo Cell for many, many years. We played all over LA and it's like this very electronic meets pop, meets jazz, like just very eclectic type of music. And, you know, just had been doing shows my whole life and writing and and creating albums and really pushing that. But, you know, it was very hard to make money in music. Mm -hmm. I I would also do some stuff for TV and films. So I would sing for songs that would be featured
0: in films. Oh, can you tell me anyone's? (laughs)
1: Bangkok <laughs> Dangerous, do you know? That? <laughs> that was one of them. Um, I'm trying to remember like a few different movies. And but you know, there was there, I was making money, but it wasn't a lot. It was, yeah. it was a struggle. And so I just kind of was like, I need to start something else on the side, you know? And and this was my side project turned mm. into career, you know, and and now the music has definitely taken a back burner. <laughs> yeah. But you know, it's still very much a part of me and the creative process, I think.
0: Oh, absolutely. People, I mean, a lot of people who tend to be in the creative space have a lot of different creative endeavors. Yes. Um, I think it was best heard where sometimes it was like, I'm just a creative chameleon. And I was like, oh, that's a good, like, it's just like put me oh, in a creative space that. and I can kind of figure out what my place is and what I look like in that creative space. Yeah. And I was like, that's a really interesting perspective is just people who have that type of brain that just thinks that way, like, you know,
1: process. And I think even though one is writing a song and the other one is designing a garment, they're kind of, the process is very similar. Mm -hmm. You know, the steps, they're different types of steps, but they're, it's all about details and Mm -hmm. really tapping into details, you know, and it is all kind of, uh, they all kind of work together in a weird way. Yeah.
0: Now you mentioned um, you were born in Istanbul, Turkey. Um, oh. You and your family w- was in textiles your whole life. What did your family do? And when you began Belkazan, did you kind of glean from them? Have they been involved in the process at all? I realized that was like three questions in one, but you know what I mean? <laughs>
1: yeah I mean, my so both my grandparents, both sides of my grandparents, they were in the textile business they They purchased textiles and sold oh, okay. textiles. and then my grandmothers both my grandmothers were seamstresses, and my grandmother always made the most beautiful clothes um for mm-hmm. my mom um, for me, even growing up. and then when my parents actually own a dry cleaning and alterations business mm-hmm. in in um, orange county, so when I started, it was it was really interesting. I didn't know much about fabrics or how things were washed, and I would just go. Even now, I I call my dad. And I'm like, I'm working with this new linen. How do I wash it? And he'll just like, yeah. okay, it should be hand wash cold. And you know, I don't need to Google it. My dad's my you know. Google. Oh yeah. <laughs> I love it. So. You know, and they helped me a lot. And even now it's funny, my mom is like so stylish and constantly like text messages me. What do you think of this? Do you like the cut on this? And my dad, it's like, it's, it's, I just feel like I'm, and my brother's in clothing too now. It's so funny. So we're all like a family that's in, but, but it is, I was able to lean on, lean on them a lot because they had a lot of information that I didn't just yet. And I didn't know anything about. And my dad comes from, um, he had a lot of production background. Um, mm. so it did help for sure, you
0: know? Oh yeah, absolutely. That yeah, absolutely. And, uh, when did you guys come to the United States from Turkey and what brought you guys here? Was it to start uh kind of a, a new business or?
1: Um, well, uh, truthfully, I think, it was, I'm Armenian. So there was a lot of, um, discrimination towards Mm. Armenians in Turkey at the time. Mm. And I think my family was kind of fed up and, Mm. um, you know, they just wanted to, they wanted to live somewhere where everyone was treated equal. And and I think that was a part of it. My uncle came first and then we came and I think it was like 1980 or something. Mm. So I was nine, I was really young and I didn't even speak English, uh, at all. So, Mm. um, English is my third language, actually. So wow. I had to learn, I had to learn how to speak English and and how to be a part of this culture. You know, coming yeah. from somewhere completely different. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think it was due to the discrimination we were feeling oh, in Turkey wow. and wow. experiencing.
0: Wow. Thank you for sharing that with me. Yeah. Um. So you know, you took this trip to Bali. You have this kind of life-changing journey that you're going oh, yeah. on, and What was it about that? I mean, I know you kind of alluded to it, but what was it really where you were like, okay, I think, like, I think there's something here. Like, I'm going to start this business. It's going to be successful. Like, I know it is. You're speaking it into existence. Like, what was that turning point for you? What did those early stages of the business look like?
1: Well, I think first and foremost, um, coming out of a course, like I took this course on mm-hmm. on learning about yourself and what your desires and dreams are. And I think I think it was the timing, number one, because I was in this place where I felt I left that course feeling like anything was possible. So when I showed up in Bali, it was just this completely new land for me. And mm. it was... I was like a sponge. I was just ready to absorb it all. And I I didn't have much judgment around anything. So I was in a very good space. And I was also looking for something else. I was really ready for a change in my life. And I automatically just fell in love with Bali. Like the people are, if you've ever been to Bali, everyone will say this. They're one of the kindest, the Balinese are one of the kindest people on the planet.
0: I've never been there, but I have heard that over and over again.
1: Just their smile is, is, um, it's just, it's so warm and cozy and you just feel so comfortable around them as people. And they're so open and um, accepting. So I felt like this warm welcome when I arrived. And then when I started spending time there, I realized I loved the colors and the textiles and the culture. Mm -hmm. And in general, I'm so inspired by different types of culture. I always say like, if I had to go back to school, I would probably be an anthropologist. I or love
0: anthropology. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. I quick, quick, so small digression. Yes. I'm the same way. So my senior year of college, my second semester, my senior year, I think I had like one random like liberal arts credit I needed to fulfill. So I took anthropology 101 and yeah. I was in a class with entirely with freshmen. And it was my one of my favorite classes when I was in college. Yeah. And I was like, why didn't I take this sooner that I could have taken more anthropology classes? Like I was fascinated. Yes, yeah. I could talk about that stuff all day long. And Sorry, I wish, continue. Like,
1: that's what I studied. <laughs> like I, I wish that is what I got my degree in, you know, yes. I, I discovered that too late. But um I think I was just so inspired and coming yes. from an Armenian culture and and coming from Turkey, like I just feel like I've already had a very worldly experience having grown up in another country at the beginning yeah, part of my life. Yeah. Um, so I, I started just falling in love with the batik textiles, like once I started going into the textile district. And I just, you know, I realized that there was something possible here for me. And I think the idea that I could work with these local craftswomen and bring that back to the States in a modern way? Because I think that was my thing. Like, I fell in love with the textiles, but I knew that the textiles maybe looked a little, how do I wear this? Like, Maybe too cultural in the sense that maybe it didn't fit the modern American world. Yeah, I know
0: exactly what you're saying.
1: And my goal was to, once I saw these textiles, how can I find a way to bring East and West together? like mm. Just this blend in a modern way. And I think that's where my my vision started. I'm going to take these textiles and really modernize them, but still keeping that cultural feel, you know, but making it for the average woman that would enjoy that. Yes.
0: Yes. Yes. And I can say that like, I'm actually like literally as we're sitting here listening to you, I'm like scrolling through some of the pieces on your site. I mean, and it just, they're beautiful. Like everything is just beautiful and it's not just beautiful, but it has this Kind of like what you were saying you you can it has obviously there are trendy pieces, but then a lot of the cuts are very classic, but then you see the different colors and and patterns prints uh it's just very feminine, but then has sort of this this feel of the culture that it's made in. And so they're just really, really beautiful, very high fashion. Um, And also a couple that I'm like, I'm going to need that dress. I'm (laughs) going to need that. That looks, I could wear that to the beach next week. Like, (laughs) uh, you know what I mean? But yeah, yeah, it's just absolutely beautiful. And so when you started and you wanted, because obviously I love, I love the designs. I love the prints. I love all of it. Did you have the sustainability piece built in right away? Well, I think I never started with big production.
1: It was mm-hmm. always so small scale. I mean, we're talking small scale. You know, we're yeah. doing like 20 pieces here and Right. and I think, you know, at first we were just buying some fabric from the local, you know, market and then turning them into dresses. Then it started getting into creating our own prints and you know, everything was so small and mm-hmm it, then it started becoming more of like, okay, how, how can we grow this and how can we really scale it up? But it's never, I mean, my business is still pretty small. It's, um, I don't ever just make a bunch of garments and try to sell it. I, yeah. I, I do what I call a lean production model, yeah. which is it's cut to order. So if we get an order, we cut, so make it and ship it. So wow. it's not like we just make a bunch of garments and and because we own our own factory, we have that leisure to do that. We we don't have minimums, period. So yeah. I can just make 3 of something if I wanted. So I think it's always just been a part of our foundation no matter what. But now we've gotten into more of like okay, what kind of sustainable fabrics can we use and mm. really like looking at our impact in terms of the fabrication and its wearability and and how it's going to biodegrade and you know what is it doing to the planet for it to come to our closet <laughs> you know and yes. really looking at that so i think we've taken it up a notch with our fabric choices but i think it's always just been there the sustainability
0: element in different ways you know i love that I think that that's, I think more brands are beginning where you're starting to see brands move in that direction. Yes. Um, And I love that brands and obviously in the ethical fashion, the sustainable space are leading the charge on that. But I mean, it was just announced like recently that Gucci is now going um, seasonless. So like they're, they're like, they're completely going seasonless, which um, I've had some conversations on here about, about that what that looks like and how the 52 week season basically model really contributed to fast fashion and how there used to be really four seasons of clothes where it was like all winter, spring, and summer. And then all of a sudden in the nineties, you had these brands that were now like H&M and Forever 21 that were coming out with new product every single week. And so it just created this fast fashion model that was having brands just have a 52 season year. Oh well, um, yeah. And yeah. I think
1: being in the wholesale realm, which we also do wholesale. Yeah. Um, that makes things move faster too. Because, mm-hmm. you know, we show a collection and within a few months our reps are like, okay, what else do you have? And I'm like, I just created a hundred fifty piece collection yeah. with all these prints and now I have to create more. I mean, it just makes things move so fast and this is not enough. We need more. We need more. We need more. And that that model, and I think a lot of businesses right now, uh, brands are moving from wholesale direct to consumer and that's going to change things because what we can now do is maybe we have some fabric left over. We can rework that fabric into a new style. So it's not just wasted, you know? Yeah. And so that is definitely changing and I'm so glad it's changing because we need
0: it. Me too. Me too. And you now. I mean, even with everything with the coronavirus going on, you're taking excess fabric and turning those into face masks. I mean, you're just. Oh yeah,
1: we've been. I mean, I don't think that's a huge part of our business. Is from the beginning we've and the Balinese, honestly, this they're so good at that. Like they're mm-hmm. so good at utilizing things and whatever's left over, it's never just goes into the trash can. So we, all of our cuttings from our garments get used. So we use them for. We upcycle them into like, uh, we donate them first of all to the villages. So, a lot of the people who are underprivileged that can't afford baby clothes, mm. they use them to make baby clothing and kids' oh, clothing. Pillow stuffing, we use it for pillow stuffing. So, the small scraps that you can't really use to make a garment with, they turn into pillow stuffing. They also, in Bali, you'll see these mats, floor mats. Everywhere and they're actually beautiful. Like, I, I always buy them when I go, and they're just a bunch of pieces of fabric weaved together and they turn them into formats. And they're beautiful. They look so cool, you know. And it's all from our scraps. Anything we can do, we make scrunchies and now we're making masks. <laughs> Anything we can do to utilize the fabric. Um, we've even, my friend has a villa in Bali and her staff will come by every month and and get fabric scraps for cleaning. I mean, they love using the scraps for cleaning. Oh yeah. Yeah. So Anything, anything like we always upcycle and that's like huge, huge because I'm not there to create more waste. I'm I'm in another country. I'm not going to leave more waste there. That's not my goal. And by any means, you know,
0: I'm going to take a quick break from my chat with Belinda to thank a few sponsors of the show who helped to make it possible. First, did you know that I have an ethical brand directory on my blog? That is actually what Chelsea used to start finding products for her boutique almost four years ago. Now, Amazuma carries over 50 intentionally sourced brands and it is the perfect one-stop shop for all of your gift-giving needs. And as a thank you to the Still Being Molly community, she is offering 20% off with the code Molly. Head to shopwithmolly.com for all of the details. And another partner of our show is GoX. Now, GoX is committed to a high standard of quality, quality of life, quality of fabric, and quality of material to make tees that feel good and do good too. They believe better t-shirts are better for the environment and are committed to sustainable production and limiting their environmental impact. Mega factory shirts will typically travel 16 thousand miles in their production journey leaving toxic oil residue in the ocean. Their fabric is sourced right here in the U.S. shipping only 1200 miles to Haiti to be sewn into shirts and shipped back to the U.S. for sale leaving a much smaller carbon footprint than the traditional tea. Each of Gox's tri-blend teas contains the equivalent of approximately five plastic water bottles taking them out of the landfills and repurposing them in your wardrobe. You can shop sustainable, eco-friendly t-shirts and sweatshirts with purpose today at goexapparel.com. Now, back to my conversation with Belinda. Now, you know, the fact that you have been in business 15 years, um, you're in LA, which is not cheap (laughs) to be in LA. (laughs) It's not cheap.
1: Used to be, not now. <laughs> yeah,
0: it is not cheap to be in LA. But I mean, there's some statistic that it's like most small businesses, independent businesses fail within like the first 18 months. Yeah. And here you are 15 years later and you are still going, which is incredible. And you should feel so much, uh, such a sense of accomplishment. What do you think is one of the things that has, or if there's multiple things that have really contributed to that success?
1: Well, first and foremost, I want to point out that I've never had investments, so I've literally started my business borrowing $1500 from my father. Um, wow. Ran everything through their garage while I was still working full-time job and you know, I think it's it's all about slow strategic growth because we have like I have to say this past year has been a very difficult year for us because we actually experienced almost 100% growth in one year and that was Incredibly challenging um, I wasn't used to that I was used to like slow growth and then some years you know depending on what happens with the world and the economy you know there's been dips and we come back up but this past year you know I think we with our partnership with anthropology and some other other new stores we started growing pretty quickly and that was very challenging in terms of cash flow you know because because I'm not funded I don't have investment backing you know so I think it's all about growing slowly and really minimizing your spending and what you're where you're putting your money. I'm very very diligent about what I spend money on, like very budget conscious. There's a lot of ways you can make a beautiful lookbook, a beautiful editorial for very little money. Especially nowadays we have iPhones and you can get yourself a great camera and take your own photos and there's filters. And there's just so many ways to minimize on costs. You don't have to spend $10,000 on a photo shoot. And I think there's this whole notion that, oh, you know, here's a new collection. I need to spend 10,000 just on the photography and 5,000 on. And, and that's not the way I look at things. Even if I'm already at this point, I still need to be very conscious about where my money goes, you know?
0: Absolutely. Now, how did I not know that you had a partnership with anthropology? Tell me about that. Oh,
1: <laughs> okay. I did not know that.
0: Oh my gosh, that's amazing.
1: So wait, can I tell you the anthropology story? Cause it's pretty funny. Please do. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. So since I started, one of my biggest goals was to get into anthropology. I, mean, I, just...
0: I was gonna say, because as I was looking at stuff, I mean, I was just like, this looks like what I would see in anthropology. I worked at anthropology uh, oh, back in like, I mean, years ago I worked at like a, you know, a retail, like a mall. Nearby, and I when when would this have been like two thousand nine, two thousand ten? So I mean, ten years ago, I worked at anthropology. So this was before I began my ethical fashion journey. So <laughs> I mean, I but I love the anthropology aesthetic. So anyway, sorry, I'm distracted.
1: I did too, and I've I've always like I've just always imagined our brand there. Like I just knew it was such a great fit. And long story short, um, I got this crazy idea. I was there's this. Artist in Bali, and you can pretty much take a photo and have anything painted, literally like a full-on acrylic painting for like $30. Okay. Wow. So I got this idea. I photoshopped, I took an anthropology window and I photoshopped a Belkazan dress in the window. And I had this guy paint this picture. Paint it. Like literally, it was like acrylic hand-painted oh my goodness. image of a Belkazan dress at anthropology. And I shipped anthropology this painting with a bunch of my samples in it <laughs> to their buying office. <laughs> so, and this I don't is know, amazing. I don't know what they thought when they got the painting. I still have the painting in my in my office, actually. It's it's hung up in the back, but like I don't know what they thought when they got it because it was and then with the dress. So the dress was in the box. And then here's the painting of my dress in the window display. And I think they got it and were like, what? So a couple of weeks later, they sent it back to me, and I was, you know, pretty devastated. <laughs> I was like, "Oh, they didn't like it. They didn't get it," you know. And then fast forward a year later, our rep uh, in New York contacted us and was like, "Oh my god, Anthropology saw one of your pieces at the show and just fell in love with it." And so that's how it kind of started. And we started making some pieces. We actually do a lot of exclusive pieces for them because they love our prints. Wow. Um, So then we just started making things for them and it was slowly and the cells have, the sell throughs have been really good. So they just keep, we just keep working on new projects. I mean, it's just been a very, very, very good partnership for us. That's
0: awesome. So is it stuff like, cause I remember working at, at anthropology. I mean, it was like, there were some things that were like anthropology brand, but like a lot of, you know, they buy from independent brands or. No, it's all
1: Belkazan. It's all under Belkazan. It's
0: all under Belkazan. Yeah. Is it online? Is it in their stores? Um, It's both. So we do uh,
1: special pieces for online and then sometimes we do pieces for their stores specifically, but then some of it will still be online. So it's a combination of both. Um, We've definitely, there's been, we do a lot of dusters for them in our prints. And there's definitely been a lot of um, pieces we've done that are in all the stores, which has been great. We're actually right now getting ready this week to ship them some masks. And yeah, and that will be a combination of Anthro and Belkazon for the first time. So that is amazing. They really wanted to see our prints in some of the masks, and, and we kind of collaborated with them on that. So we're getting ready. To, actually, today it's supposed to come in, so we'll see.
0: That is so cool. Yeah. That it's is so really- cool. I'm so glad you mentioned that because I've found, found that out later. I've been like, wait a second, I have questions. <laughs> yeah. It's
1: been a really great partnership. We're happy to be working with them.
0: That's really, really awesome. And so, yeah, I mean, and, and I also love just the fact that Anthropology is, they're working with a sustainable brand and they're a brand that's starting to, you know, have, there's rumblings of them moving in that direction. And so, well, to- yeah.
1: And, and like with the masks, actually, they, they made a donation. So for, all the money that's going to be made from the masks will go to help our sewers right now because, because of COVID, it's been really difficult and yeah. they really um, wanted to do that, make a donation. So the masks are, are really helping our sewers right now, um, keeping them employed. So that's, that was a really wonderful partnership to do for this new mask order. that is So
0: awesome. That's so awesome. But I, I, again, I appreciate how you kind of shared how for, you know, for 15 years, like a lot of times people will see like, Oh my goodness, you have a partnership with anthropology, you've made it blah, 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 like overnight success. It's like, no, 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 there's no. 15 years of work um, yeah. and even really more before that, but 15 years of work that, that goes into these things and, and, and how you really focused on that slow strategic growth so that you could get to a point where anthropology is calling.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It, I mean, it takes effort. It takes, I mm-hmm. mean, having your own business in general, I don't care what kind of business it is. It's, as you know, it's a lot of work. Um, mm-hmm. It's a lot of hours where everyone's sleeping, you're still working and yes. <laughs> you're like, okay, I just put my kid to bed. Okay. Up, back to work, you know? Yep. And, and you have to really love what you do and mm-hmm. where it doesn't feel like work. And I think for me, actually, my husband and I were having this conversation, you know, last night and he's like, you're a workaholic. I mean, I know I am, but sometimes I don't feel like I'm, because I love what I do so much. I don't even feel like it's work, mm. you know, and you get kind of caught up in that. And you have to find ways to just, like, divide up and make priorities. Like, okay, I'm going to stop working at 8 p.m. Like, I have to really, like, cut that off, you know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah, It becomes yeah. hard. That's amazing. Now, what is sort of your... I mean, obviously, you had a, a goal and a vision of having this partnership with anthropology, and you you reached that. What is sort of, like, your, your vision and goal for kind of the next... What's the next thing you're working towards?
1: Well, I would... Love, love, love to see my prints in other products, especially Mm. home goods. I think I get that a lot. Like people are always like, Oh my God, I love your prints. I wish I had a pillow and a, you know, sheets and whatever. Yeah. Like so I would love, I think for my next move would be to start because our prints are so unique and we create all of our own prints. It's it's literally like hand-drawn watercolor turned into screens and it's all hand printed and we copyright all of our prints. So we own all the artwork for it. And our goal would be to really like see them in other products other Mm. than clothing. I have done like some kids clothes for fun, but not really gotten into that. And yeah, uh, just really seeing them in home goods, I think would be
0: great. That's so cool. That's so cool. I, I mean, you're just so talented. Your yeah. dresses and and products are so beautiful that I have no doubt that you are going to make that happen. Oh, thank you. <laughs> thank you. You yeah. are so welcome. You are so welcome. Okay. Well, uh, now is the portion of the show where we just transition just a little bit to ask some fun, get to know you questions. So uh, Belinda, Are you ready for the get-to-know-you round? (laughs) I am so ready. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Question. So when you fly from LA, because I'm I'm setting this question up for a specific reason. When you fly from LA to Bali, what is usually like your flight path? Do you usually go like LA to where?
1: I go, um, so it's usually two paths. Um, I either fly into Taipei Mm. and then to Bali, or I fly into a lot of times Hong Kong and then Ah. Bali. Because I always, I prefer... Flying Cathay Pacific. It's like my favorite, favorite airline. And so it's usually through Hong Kong and I love the Hong Kong airport. So I prefer that. So
0: what is that? Like how long is, the, are those flights? Are you ready? Yes, <laughs> I am.
1: Okay. So it's about 13 and a half to Hong Kong. From LA. From LA. And then it's usually anywhere from a four to six hour layover and then another five and a half to Bali.
0: Yeah. I went, so my, I've been to Kenya many times and my listeners are like, we know you go to Kenya a lot. Um, I'm calling yeah. that out on myself, but this year was the first time I ever, cause I usually would do Raleigh to London or Raleigh to Paris and then London or Paris to Nairobi. And so that breaks it up to like, basically be like eight and eight, um, eight oh, okay. hour flights each way. This year, there's a new flight that they started in 2019, that is on Kenya Airways that goes from JFK in New York to Nairobi. And that's a it's 14 hours there. And then coming home, because I guess you're going against the winds or whatever, from Nairobi to JFK is 16 to 16 and a half hours. And Whoa. we did that flight for the first time. So that's why I ask this because there's always the question, like who would you want to sit next to on a 15 16 13 hour flight and why cuz i had a, a poor experience on one of the the the, the ways there where you i'm sitting next to the person you don't want to sit next to so if you got to choose who you get to sit next to on that 13 hour flight who would it be and why
1: i would say norma kamali Oh, I don't even know who that is. She's a designer and she's um she's been around for many many years oh. and I I'm very inspired by vintage so I have a lot yeah. of vintage pieces mm. and she just as a human being like I I just find her to be this very powerful mm. inspiring woman and I would just I would love to pick her brain about how she built her business and and how she can look like that. I mean, you should Google her because I think she's like in her 70s and she what?
0: looks okay, so like she's how like- how do you 20. say her name? What's her name? Norma, Norma Kamali. Kamali. All right. And I'm like, looking her
1: she's up. She's so beautiful. And I'm like, I want to look like, how do you look like that? I just want to know. <laughs> well, she does like yoga, like I think 50 times a day. But I mean, I am just so inspired by her. So I would, I would definitely want to
0: have a chat. I love it. I'm, I just looked her up and you're right. She's beautiful.
1: Yeah. I think she's like, I don't know. You got to Google. I, I think she's got to be like 70 or something.
0: No or way. Close to 70. Yeah. It's like, she just looks like she's like 50 or something. Like, oh my God. Her- she was born in 1945. Yeah. It's, it's 74. It's, There's no yeah. way she's 74. That is amazing. It's,
1: it's something else. And she's not, it's not like she looks like she's had stuff done on. Oh, no, she doesn't at all. Yeah, it's like, what, how do you look like that? I want to look like gorgeous. that when yeah. I'm your age, you know?
0: I love it. That's awesome. That's a great answer.
1: I mean, she's really like revolutionized fashion in so many ways because some of her designs are so interesting. So interesting. Like, and I have some of her really, really cool vintage pieces that till this day,
0: I just wear them nonstop. So I love that. I love that. Um, Okay. Of all of your pet peeves, which one is the strangest? Oh,
1: that's, that's a tough one. (laughs) Okay, I have to think. Strangest pet peeves. What would be? That's a tough. You got me on this one. Wow. (laughs) Oh my god, I don't even know. I guess like I okay. Probably this is like some random text thing, but I'm not. When somebody writes these like long, long text messages, <laughs> like, they're, they're like a, like, a, it's like a book, I'm like, just call me, just freaking call me, uh, you know, like, <laughs> and I guess. this, it's not strange, but it's strange to no, me. I know, what, me. Like, I know just what you mean. Me. Just call me. On I the love phone that. And explain it, you know?
0: It's funny. I, I have that, so many different types of friends who have like styles of texting like that, where I have yes. the people that either like send the long novels, or I have another friend who like, I know she texts me from her computer. And so like, she just, it's like, send, 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 send. And so there's like, I get like 87 text messages in a row. And then I'm like, it's basically a book. So then I'm like, why didn't you just keep it in what? <laughs> which I love her for it because yeah. I know her style of texting.
1: But see, that's me. And I know my friends get frustrated with me because <laughs> I do that because I always text for right. My... But I guess like I also have a hard time following the long one because when oh, I yeah. get it, I'm just checked out. I'm like, I can't even read this right now. I'll read it later. And I then know. Like, Did you read it? No, I forgot. It. Like I just, but I guess that's not that strange. I don't know. The strange part. I'm not sure. No, I like it.
0: I like it. No, I'm, I'm a fan. That perfectly fits the question. <laughs> um, okay. If you were trans transported 400 years into the past with no clothes, like except for the ones on your back or anything else, how would you prove you were from the future?
1: God, you're like killing it with these questions. (laughs) I like to get people to
0: think.
1: Wait, what does that put me at right now? Oh my God. like
0: 16, right? I'm not, I'm not a math person. 16 something.
1: Okay. I would be like I am in my forties and I have no white hair cause my hair is dyed. <laughs> yes.
0: You know, yes, that is, it's so funny. I've asked this question a couple other times and you're the second person to say like, really? cause she has purple hair. <laughs> so she's like, I would just show them my hair. Um, yeah, I love like, it. How,
1: how come there's no white hair here? You know? Yes.
0: <laughs> I like or it. Or my
1: piercing. I think my piercing. Oh yeah. Cause I have a piercing on my, like I have a Monroe. Oh, like on the lip. Yeah. Like, on yeah, top yeah, yeah. Yeah, like so it's, it's, they would be like, how did you, Yeah, I don't, I don't know if they did that
0: then. I like it. I like it. That's a good one. Okay. So then my last question is, uh, what does it mean to you to run a business with purpose? I mean, I would say everything
1: because mm-hmm. I don't think I would be running it if it didn't have a purpose. Yeah. I, I, I think who I am and what I stand for it, if, if it doesn't align with that, I think I'm, I have such a heart for this planet and mm. for our people yeah. on this planet. And if it didn't serve that, I don't think I could do it.
0: Yeah.
1: I'm somebody that has to like love what I do. Like, I, I know there's some people that can just work at a job or somewhere to make money and that that's satisfying for them. But for me, I've just always been somebody that kind of has chosen, I would say, the tougher route because I would say it is tougher. It, sometimes it's so much easier to just go work, work for somebody and. Clock in and clock out. And for me, I just don't get to clock out in my head too often. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I think also having a purpose gives me so much joy. And mm. the fact that I can keep expanding on that purpose, like really giving back um, more and more, not just environmentally, but slowly we started working with the Bali Children Foundation yeah. and helping the kids there get more educated. Like just there's so much room to keep giving. So That I couldn't do it
0: without that. Hmm. I love that. That is awesome. Belinda, this has been so much fun. You are just a blast. I feel like we would be in real life friends if we lived uh, closer closer (laughs) today. You're like, you are my people. I love it. I could fly. (laughs) I know, I know, I know. Oh man, this was so much fun. Thank you so much for sharing your story and for coming on the show. And thank you for everything that you do.
1: Thank you for having me. This was so fun. I love these. These are so great to do
0: and, and connect with others. I love it. Okay, friend. I would love to know what you loved about this episode or something that you learned. If you do, you can let me know on social media. You can find me at Still Being Molly or at Business with Purpose Podcast on Instagram or Facebook, and don't forget to use that hashtag #BusinessWithPurposePodcast. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. If you're a first-time listener of the show, welcome. Be sure to visit the archives for past shows featuring amazing entrepreneurs and business owners who are literally changing the world with their businesses. And if you're a regular listener of the show, thank you for tuning in week in and week out. And thank you for your support. Be sure to head on over to iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Radio Public, or wherever you listen to podcasts and click that subscribe or follow button. We are also now on Amazon Podcasts, So if you listen to your podcast there, you can get us there too. Clicking that subscribe or follow button helps to make sure that you never miss a new episode of the show. And while you're there, would you take a moment to leave a review? Leaving a review helps me and others to know what you're liking and how the show is personally impacting you. This show is produced by the incredible team at Third Wheel Media. Thank you so much for listening. Now go do something good with purpose on purpose.